As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Soccer 101, the show where we scratch the soccer itches you never knew you had. Today, we're responding to a question from a loyal listener who asks about coaching badges. What are they? Why does soccer have them? How do you get them? Can you coach without them? And are they actual badges that you can sew onto your clothes like you're a Boy Scout? I'd like to know that one. My name's Ryan Bailey, and earning their Soccer 101 qualifications with flying colours today are Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Graham Rutherford. Hello, Ryan Bailey. And Joe Lowry. Hi, Joe. Ahoy. Uh, before we get into it, gents, a quick question to warm up the room. Uh, have any of you ever been interested in coaching? Have any of you ever coached? Taylor, do I remember you have coached some young children before? You do. Uh, and they were very young when I most recently coached. I coached for soccer shots, and that was like four, year, four years old to up uh, for the ages that I was coaching. But before that, I was uh, U10, U11, so I got my D license. Uh, that was the extent of my coaching badges here <gasps> in the U.S. You're licensed. You have experience mm-hmm. for this question, Tay-Tay. I do. Wonderful. I do. We'll get to that in a second. Anyone else? Joe, any coaching? Yeah, I I thought about it. I was really considering doing that maybe more instead of diving into the media podcast righty kind of space. Didn't end up doing it in part because of some reasons we'll talk about later on, I guess. All right. And Graham, Scottish people, very good at bigger coaching. How about you? Nah, seems like hard work. (laughs) Cool. All right. Uh, And for me, uh, I have not because my children don't listen to me. Why would young soccer players or even older (laughs) ones is my logic. Ryan, they might listen to you if you don't get them pet snakes from your yard. Just throwing that out there. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, listen, I found a giant snake in my yard and I suggested it as a pet to my kids. They were not impressed. They said, ew, gross was the exact quote I got from them. And what did they say about the snake? (laughs) (laughs) never mind that's way better than what i was gonna say good stuff guys good stuff why don't we get into it joe let's start off by asking the broad question coaching badges why they a thing oh graham that was still so funny um okay here we go (laughs) coaching badges are the licenses the, the requirements basically to show that you have passed certain criteria that you have fulfilled certain criteria to become a soccer coach at a particular level so why they exist It's basically an illustration and a representation that you have become a qualified soccer or football coach. 
they teach you more about how to coach and more about the sport in general. And you basically need them because leagues at various levels and different, you know, soccer governing bodies require them. So it is kind of this mandated, it is this mandated effort to, to have coaches fulfill certain criteria and check certain boxes. Now, they haven't always been a thing from what I've read. They, they probably weren't around, and I couldn't find a ton on this, but they, they weren't likely around in the very early stages of soccer. But they've been around a long time. I read about the U.S. Uh, developing coaching courses and badges, the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, all the way back in 1941, developed coaching curriculum and eventually launched courses and diplomas, which, while not exactly the same as coaching badges or licenses, which are, are synonyms as far as I'm aware. They're similar ideas, similar thought process behind it. So it's a way to establish which coaches have a certain level of education and they're mandated by certain governing bodies in soccer. I see. Uh, Big T, uh, you mentioned you have a soccer license. So presumably sure. they're not just badges for the elites. They are at all levels that one requires a coaching I mean. badge. Hurtful. Hurtful, first of all. Impugning me is not elite. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, yeah, I mean, that is the point of the courses. And you can bypass certain ones. Like, I think there was... Maybe there was an E or an F that I could get past because I played college soccer technically. Uh, and you just have to have like a note from your coach. And then I think you can, I think depending on how high you played, you can bypass certain things. Clubs will also help pay for those badges, pay for those courses on occasion because the idea being that you are representing them, you're working your way up. Ideally, you will end up being a long-term coach. Uh, the fire truck in the background maybe disagrees with me. Uh, but yeah, it's basically, it starts off the one I did. It, we had like younger coaches, older people who were just getting into it and it's designed to teach you the basics but also teach you other elements about how to communicate about how to conduct a practice how to implement tactic tactics and the like but i think ultimately the u.s soccer licensed ones here in the states tend to be more if not rigid then firm in what they're teaching and how they want you to coach the united soccer coaches courses are more about i think the theory and they by all accounts tend to be Maybe inclusive is the wrong term, but I think the idea there is that they want everyone to pass. They want everyone to learn the concepts and keep moving on, whereas the U.S. soccer licenses are more about you have to actually earn them. You have evaluations. You have instructors who will grade your performance and then decide if you're ready to get your license or to move on to the next level or if you need to retake the course or have another year of coaching before you come back and try again. Graham, um, your thoughts on the differences perhaps on the other side of the pond? We've heard a bit about the U.S. soccer coaching license system. How different is it uh, for UEFA? It is slightly different, but I think in a, in a general sense, the, the structure is is relatively the same and the, the, the purpose, the core purpose of coaching badges is pretty much the same. So I looked through a lot of the Scottish FA and the English FA uh, resources that are on their website with regards to coaching and coaching qualifications. And the FA had a, a, a really good explainer on basically why they, why they exist, why these qualifications exist. So they say that they want to ensure a continuous culture within football coaching and I think that is understandable it's probably a good idea to have some sort of common code that means the work being done at grassroots level might actually lead to something at a, a higher level and if you look at the FA and what they stipulate they want coaches to address the four corners as they call it of a player's development so technical physical social and psychological and I think it just provides some accountability where the National Association can say, OK, maybe this approach isn't working. We want to go in a different direction. And, and there is some unity 
in that approach. The, the, the FA basically did this in the mid-2000s when they completely overhauled their, their coaching ethos and coaches all the way through the English game were given methods on primarily how to be more technical-minded. That was one of the issues that English football had at that point. And I think we've seen the, the fruits of that just over the, the last few years with players emerging at the professional level that are a lot more technical-minded. So that is proof that that just that doesn't just happen by accident. There is a process there that starts at grassroots level, and by having that code at grassroots level, you stand a better chance of having a, a stronger uh, soccer landscape. So, Graham, things are codified, and we have reasons to have these badges, but could I be a coach if I didn't have them? I'm basically asking you, is Ted Lasso possible? <laughs> um, if he has his pro license, then yes, but maybe they left that out of the out of that out of the series. So level one, if we're looking at the European model of coaching badges, that is they they split the qualifications into different levels, and this is where it gets slightly confusing in a European level because the lower levels of that are um, they are controlled and the administrator of those are the national association and the further you get up the lab ladder there's more collaboration with uefa and the qualifications start to merge so level one is uh as an entry level open to anyone over the age of 16 which means you need no prior experience to to enter and level one and level two so if you progress past level one you obviously go to level two they are administered by not even just the fa but by your local county FA and it's quite simply a case of signing up and paying I think we'll probably talk about paying uh, later later on in, in, in the show and going along to the courses then you get up to level three and it's for coaches working with a team of uh, under 14s upwards in a fo- 11 uh, versus 11 format and then once you go above level three that's when you get to obviously level four and level five but they are primarily concerned with the the professional game and once you get to that level there is more collaboration with UEFA and you're starting to get into your A license and your pro license and the pro license is essentially what you need to hold to be a coach at the top level of the game and there have been some instances of managers in the Premier League and even in the Champions League and that sort of level who haven't held those pro licenses and have had to have special dispensation or have actually had to have been told to go away and get those licenses to continue in their job. So that might be an example. I'm thinking maybe like Pirlo when he was given the top job at Juventus. And I think Tim Sherwood when he got the, I'm going to say, Tottenham job. Um, examples of players who were sort of upgraded to manager but got dispensation. That happens quite a bit. Actually, Gareth Southgate was one, I believe, yep. mid- when he yep. first managed at Middlesbrough as well. Right, Graham? Yeah, absolutely. When uh, 2006, he took over at Middlesbrough, didn't have the necessary coaching badges, which is quite ironic because I think he very much became the almost the face of uh, the FA's coaching program before he became the England manager that was something that he he overlooked uh, he looked over and then you had Avram Grant as well who didn't have a pro license when he took over as Chelsea manager that one is a, was a bit of a technicality as he had the equivalent badge in Israel but UEFA had yet to sign an agreement with the Israeli FC to recognize their coaching program so technically Grant wasn't recognized at UEFA level and then more recently you had Ange Postecoglou as well Celtic manager he needed special dispensation similar to Grant he had a the highest qualification in Asian football and Australian football, but UEFA didn't recognise those qualifications, so he had to have special dispensation as well. All right, quick break time. When we come back, plenty more about coaching badges. Stay tuned. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Soccer 101, welcome back. All right, we heard before the break from Graham about the system in UEFA and in the UK. Um, Joe, which bodies, which governing bodies provide the qualifications? I know, for example, UEFA do, I know the FA do, the French FA have quite um, lauded badges and qualifications. Um, where does the US rank? Are some badges from some associations better than others? Are there ones, if I was like, oh, I'm not quite good enough to get the French one, can I go and do the English FA one? Is there, is there a system like that? How Are they ranked, I suppose, is my question, Joe? Well, only as far as I'm aware, Ryan, in your own individual estimations as far as what you want to accomplish in your career. So I think about someone like Jesse Marsh, who was already coaching with the New York Red Bulls and before that with the Montreal then Impact. He had coaching licenses to coach in the United States. He had U.S. soccer licenses that are a part of being a coach in Major League Soccer. He had those, but before he went to go coach in Austria with Red Bull Salzburg, he went over to Europe to get a license that would allow him to coach there. So I think generally speaking, the European licenses and and UEFA licenses in particular are more highly sought after because the jobs associated associated or that are underneath the umbrellas and the governing bodies that put on those licensing courses are just more highly sought after. So generally speaking, I think countries that have, especially European countries that have the infrastructure, that have the money and are are highly regarded in a soccer sense from a culture standpoint as well, those licenses are, are pretty highly sought after. You'll see individuals like Thierry Henry got his coaching license in Wales and, and other players. I think, Graham, did Jesse Marsh get his in Scotland? I don't know why that so, keeps coming back to me. So There's, Scotland Scotland strangely has a, a, a centre in Largs where loads and loads of world-class yeah. coaches got their badges and Jose Mourinho got his there, yeah. Andre Villas-Boas. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Marsh got his there as well. And so my my understanding is that there's this idea that maybe getting your badges in certain places is a little easier than in other places, which is why you might see easier either because of the uh, the, the rigors of the curriculum or because of some of the financial things or, or, or whatever that looks like. There are certain places that are easier to get your badges, but it kind of depends on what you want to accomplish. In terms of the, the structure for badges in the U.S., if you want to coach in, in sort of a, a lower division level, you want to coach in the USL, you want to coach in MLS, there is a requirement that you have particular badges. There have been situations in the past where USL coaches didn't have the proper badges, um, and so they, they weren't allowed to coach. So Dave Brandt, 
was ruled ineligible to coach the Pittsburgh Riverhounds in the USL a few years back because he didn't have the USSFA license that USL required then as a second division league. I don't think the USL has been entirely rigid about that because Rick Schantz, who's currently the coach of Phoenix Rising and has been for a while now, didn't have his C license, his USSF C license uh, a few years back, and he was still allowed to coach in the second division. So it's not exactly ironclad in terms of these rules, or at least there are certain exceptions, as you mentioned, Ryan, that are being given. But in terms of which ones you want, it kind of depends on what you want to do personally as a coach. Okay. Uh, Tater, Joe mentioned the curriculum um, and you might have some insight on this, having done part of or at least uh, one of the qualifications. What does one have to literally do to get a badge? Like how many hours do you put in? Are you sitting at a desk and taking exams? Are you going to actual games? What does it look like? Yeah, again, speaking from an American perspective, it varies. And it varies in terms of the time commitment, the travel commitments, and then the financial commitment as well. Uh, so the D license uh, usually costs, that's the one I have, fairly low on the uh, totem pole. Uh, costs around two to $500, depending on where you are. But it, it's usually available pretty much everywhere, or I guess not everywhere because the U.S. is huge. But like I was able to take mine in Richmond, and I think there were multiple courses being offered like in that year. Uh, but that one is, is again, pretty basic, pretty it's, – it's less about like how to sh- like teach kicking, but how to handle transition from 8-a-side or 7-a-side to 11-a-side and how to handle like in-game instruction. It gives you sort of coursework, but then also practical work as well. So uh, that's the D. Then you get more advanced as it keeps going. So, for example, the C license is going to be a thousand to two thousand dollars, but that's the one where you go from. I think the D was it was one three day weekend, one two day weekend with some coursework in between. The C license you have to go away usually, and it's uh, two five day classes that you basically you take one, uh, then you go and kind of work on your. Uh, you work on your coaching, you work on your theory. I think you sometimes have to write papers or do research about your your philosophy of coaching. And that is ultimately what I think a lot of it is about, is teaching you what philosophy, like how to teach your philosophy, how to coach your philosophy, how to implement new ideas into that. And so you you have an element of coursework, an element of in-person instruction, and then a lot of time on your own to fine-tune and work on things. And then basically from there, the time commitments go up, as do the costs. So if you're looking at your B license, now you're looking at about $3,000. It's four or five months. Uh, There are three five-day courses that you have to travel to. It's always going to be a lot of travel. So again, you're getting the expenses mounting and mounting. Uh, I think some uh, levels, maybe even like the E or the F, are offered online. So at a lower level, you don't have to do as much. And then the D usually is going to be offered in fairly, uh, like, like commonly. But then from there, it gets harder and harder to get it. Graham, does that equate with the European system in terms of what you have to do to earn them? And also the cost. I wonder, do people go to Scotland, for example, because it's cheaper? I'm, they're not going to Scotland for fun because no one does. How very dare you, Ryan Bailey. <laughs> I'll have you know that Largs is revered around the world as one of the coaching hubs of, of European football, which is why Jose Mourinho and Vias Boas and potentially Jesse Marsh, maybe we've just made that up between Joe and I. But let's just say he went there as well. Uh, sounds better. I think um, with uh, with UEFA, it pretty much follows a similar pattern where 
when you're doing level one and level two, it is largely um, on pitch work. But when you get up to the pro license, which is very much the gold standard, I think, in world football, not just in European football, but a UEFA pro, pro license requires 144 hours of off-the-pitch theory work and 216 hours of practical work, including work experience, study visits, and overseas study trips. And you also need to be endorsed by a, pre- a professional club yeah. as well which is why I think you get a lot of former players going on those coaches. I always enjoy, whenever you, you speak to former players or coaches who have done these courses, they'll often mention who was on the course alongside them. And often it's not even it's not even people who are in a job, it's people who are preparing for a job or veteran players who are preparing to get going to coaching. And I, I just find that interesting, the, the different people that go along to these courses. But a UEFA Pro License is very difficult to get and takes quite a bit of time and effort. When you said at the start of the show, Graham, I don't want to be a coach, it's too much hard work and effort. I understand now, I think, <laughs> yeah. from what you've just explained there. Yeah, I mean, what, what was it, 144 hours, 216 hours, so 350 hours, essentially, of work to get a pro license. And, and, and Ryan, at least in the United States, uh, when I was taking it, like as I said, the, when you're going through U.S. soccer, it's a bit more rigid. And so like the things, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again here. The two things I got dinged on when I got my final evaluation, the first one was that I was coaching with my hands in my pockets. That that's, that's what I do, I think, when a lot of people do when they're anxious, is hands go in pockets. But that was their exact point, is that shows that you're sort of being passive, you're being reactionary, you need to have your hands out, you need to be showing that you're actively involved. And I would say unlucky. So if somebody didn't hit it on frame, I'd say, like, oh, unlucky next time, thinking that was good coaching. And in reality, their argument was that I was reinforcing the bad behavior, the negative tendencies, by dismissing it as as unlucky, whereas in reality they had done something technically incorrect, and that was an opportunity for instruction. So there's a lot of feedback and a lot of sort of little analysis, but then macro analysis as well. Wow. And, and Ryan, just to go back to your question about cost, because I realised I didn't I didn't address that at UEFA level. So I've got some prices here. Level one is 150 pounds. Level two, this is for the English FA and the, the Scottish FA prices were pretty much the same. So level one, 150 pounds. Level two, 320 pounds. UEFA B, 720 pounds. By the time you get up to UEFA A license, it's 3,000 pounds. I couldn't find a price for the pro license because I think it's because you have to be endorsed by a club. It's almost like there isn't a publicly listed price anywhere but i am um, uh, i think it's safe to assume it's over three thousand pounds so to climb from the bottom of the ladder to the top as far as you can go without being endorsed by a, a professional club in england it would cost you over four thousand pounds so that is a lot of money and i found a comparison that uh, said in germany to make the same coaching journey in germany which keep in mind they, they'll still be signed up to the, the to the uefa principles as well those coaching courses will be relatively similar to the english and scottish ones their price is about half the amount that it would cost in in Scotland and England. So that maybe explains why they have a lot of good managers and Scotland and England at the moment don't. Graham, would you feel better to know that uh, by comparison, Scotland doing just fine when it comes to uh, looking at the United States, where even if you're going D license, like the low end is 200, I think was the range I saw. The C license is 1,000. So that's 1,200. But then to get your B license, it's 3,000. To get your senior A license, if you want to go the pro route, is 4,000. And to get that pro license, it is 10,000. Wow. So adding that up, I believe we're looking at about $18,000 to get uh, your 
all of your coaching badges to become a professional coach. There is dispensation for players and coaches or coaches coming over from Europe or elsewhere who already have badges that are standardized and accepted. But still, that also, I think, points to why we don't have as many qualified coaches in that top tier here in the United States. And and part of the issue, Taylor, is... It, it basically just gatekeeps who can conceivably yeah. get some of these licenses. And, and pricing isn't the only issue because, to be fair, a lot of clubs will pay their way for assistant coaches or whoever it is involved with the club to get those licenses. And so at the, at the point where you're realistically involved in potential, like when you're a real candidate to get a pro license, mm-hmm. the odds of you footing at least that entire bill, in my experience, are pretty darn low. But still, some of the early costs for the entry level, like the the D license, Taylor, you mentioned it. It is a very basic, in the grand scheme of coaching, it is a very basic entry level kind of of badge and, and course. And it is prohibitively priced, in my opinion. Maybe that changes over time. I don't know. Maybe other people have different perspectives on that. But that's one issue. My other issue, yeah. which I referenced earlier as far as U.S. coaching licenses go, is accessibility. Uh, so maybe the bigger hurdle for me than cost, which was a consideration back when I was looking at these, was there weren't any courses available until like two years later. And this was before COVID and before a lot of those things were really a factor. And so we can't really blame it on on the pandemic in that way. So there are just so few at least there were back when I was interested, there were so few opportunities to even get the D license. I could do the online one, and I did that. The grassroots level is what uh, U.S. Soccer changed it to from, uh, I think, E and F is what they were before. But U.S. Soccer changed that, so the online one is is straightforward. But after that, I mean, you have to nail down this process, and it, it, it will take you years and years and years if you are just someone who is sort of trying to wade their way into coaching as, as someone who's just becoming interested. It'll take you so long to make it through between the lack of available dates and locations and the cost and the time that you have to wait between. It's it's just a difficult situation, and I, I have some sympathy for yeah. the U.S. Soccer Federation because covering this much ground and trying to coordinate this effort in a country as big as the U.S. is extremely difficult. Straight up, it's easier to do that in pretty much every European country because of the size and, and some of the soccer culture there. It's hard to do that in the U.S., but the system, the way it is now, to me, does not feel like it is enabling people who are interested in becoming coaches to actually go and become coaches. Joe, I'm glad you brought that up because especially like looking at the D license, like I said, like if, if you're going the maximum range, it tends to be around 500 from what I saw. But you're right that if you are a like a recent college graduate who wants to get into coaching and maybe you've just moved home, maybe you're living with your parents again, like you don't have – I'm guessing a ton of money. Like that is a, a prohibitive cost to getting involved and especially with youth coaching, you're not making a ton of money really ever but certainly to start. Like I think – when I worked it out, I think I was making like $1.50 an hour based on how much time I was putting in. It's almost always going to be a part-time gig, so it requires saving or finding someone to pay pay for it for you. But I think a lot of times if you're somebody who doesn't have a network or you move to a new city, it might be hard to get that gig in the first place because you don't have as many connections to those clubs. So there's definitely obstacles early and then often. But I also agree with you, Joe, that I think there are reasons why U.S. soccer has to do it the way they do. I think there's things that they could do better, certainly. But ultimately, I think one thing that's worth noting from a U.S. perspective, in my opinion at least, is that I think the standards 
are kept difficult. I think it's it's not easy to get these. It's not like ah, oh, you show up, you do you do the coursework, whatever, and you get your B license. Like you've got to prove that you're coaching. You've got to prove that you know what you're talking about. Your research is graded. You're gonna have conversations about what your style and philosophy are, and and you can fail. You can be told no. And I think the reason for that is that ultimately. If U.S. soccer is just kind of, oh, we're a huge country, we're letting everybody regulate themselves, you're going to get a bunch of differently qualified coaches who don't really have that same standard. And I think there's an element of prestige there, that they want people coming out of U.S. soccer, the coaching system, to have a really strong background. I think they don't want to be seen as, oh, the Americans who don't know anything about soccer and now their coaching is bad. I think there's an idea that we want to be the best at coaching in certain ways. And I think that's what U.S. soccer is about. And I certainly think that's what United Soccer Coach is about. I'll give them a shout again. If people are interested in getting involved in coaching, I I would really encourage people to check them out. And if you can, go to one of their national conventions. They're held every year, or at least they were up until COVID. And even then, I think they did virtual uh, sessions. But those are so fascinating because you don't realize – or I didn't realize at least, how much work is being done on coaching in the United States, that they have experts from everywhere coming in, conducting sessions. They're actually taking you through sessions where they have local teams helping out so that they can sort of show how you're supposed to conduct a high-intensity pressing drill or a high-possession drill. Uh, But then you'll have classroom lectures, and you'll have ex-coaches and ex-players talking about their experiences. And it's a great way to get an all-round idea of coaching and some of the philosophy. And you end up talking out a lot of things with other coaches and it's really cool in that way so if you want to get a sort of if not crash course then just a great idea of all of the many ideas and theories that are floating around american soccer coaching united soccer coaches convention is where to go very interesting stuff thank you taylor and yeah graham to recap there eighteen thousand dollars to get your qualification or thereabouts in the u.s and graham that doesn't include tax or gratuities and you can't use apple pay <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if you could use Apple Pay, I'm on board with yeah. the preventative costs. But it also doesn't. Sorry to jump in, but I'm going to make it real again because, like, it also doesn't include all of the other things that go with that. I had a buddy in Kentucky trying to get his C license, and I think the only place he could get Travel. it that was available yeah. was Denver. Yep. So twice a year for like five days, you've got to fly to Denver, get accommodation, you've got to pay for all that yourself, unless you have a very nice club that's willing to pay for it, and just those expenses add up. And when you're talking about a thing that many people are doing as a part-time gig, not many employers are going to let employees go for two weeks every year to go learn about soccer coaching. You've got to take your, your PTO if you have it, and if you don't, you got to find a way to make it work. But again, we're talking about lots of different barriers in the United States that exist for reasons. It's not arbitrary, but it is still a frustrating uh, obstacle to getting more people involved. My final question for this episode, uh, one I posed at the start, is, it sounds a bit facile, but are there actual badges? Like, as I mentioned, can you sew them onto your clothes like a Boy Scout? Because we know that caps in international caps got their basis because mm. literally the England team uh, started giving out caps. Graham, do you know, is it actually a badge or is it a disappointing paper certificate? Yeah, I think it's a paper certificate these days. I, I've, I went and looked through some uh, ex-players, veteran players who had received their, their coaching qualifications and looked through a couple of Instagram posts and it tended to be, certainly in the, on the UEFA side of things and the English FA and Scottish FA side of things, it tended to be a certificate. I didn't see a badge, but maybe back in the day, decades ago, did it maybe start out as a badge? I'm afraid I don't really have a solid answer for that. Ah, disappointing. Taylor, if I'm paying 18 grand plus, I want a badge to sew onto my Letterman jacket. 
I mean, I think that's fair. Do you want it to be like a metal badge? Do you want it to be just a stitched badge? Like, are you are you are you going to keep adding on to it so eventually you're just covered in different coaching badges from all over the world? It's like the scopes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want it, yeah a full like <laughs> sleeve of sewn on badges is what I want. Would Housery be one of the badges? It probably should be, right? Exactly. If you that's demand the, that, that's level H. Yeah, that's level H. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gents. Thank you very much for explaining coaching badges what they are and why we need them that has been soccer 101 graham rubbin thank you very much thank you ryan bailey taylor walker thank you as always sir thank you very much ryan bailey joe lowry thanks as always bud thank you ryan and listener thank you very much for tuning in to soccer 101 we'll be back on the feed with another one but for now catch you later